Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea, Ed Sheen for Colony Confidential. We we're fortunate enough to have Frank McDonald from Select Insurance with us today. We're going to learn a few things because, like pest control, insurance is always evolving. So away we go. It's Joey Buns. Frank is a longtime friend, second generation, and we have second generation friendship. Frank, thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me. We were, we were just talking about COVID and getting our shots. Your wife just got her second, right? Yep. And so this is the big topic. How are the after effects or the side effects? Uh, it took about 20 hours, but she got hit hard for maybe five hours. A really bad headache, fever. She went to sleep for two or three hours, woke up, and uh, she started feeling better right away. I was surprised. It took a day. You know, I figured it'd be like two or three hours later, but it took a good 20 hours for her. Yeah, I think it's affecting everyone different. My sister had a slight fever for a couple hours, and she and you had nothing, right? Nothing. And you had nothing, right? No, I was heavily medicated. And, and like we discussed, I feel like when you get your second dose, you think your mind is playing tricks on you. Right. You know, am I just thinking myself into feeling weird right now? Yeah. yeah. Especially for the 15 minutes that you sit in there with all these hypochondriacs that'll yeah. take your Tylenol. Me and my father had a conversation like right after his thing. And I was saying there was an elderly lady who's screaming into her phone. <laughs> in, in, in a gymnasium and he had a very similar experience he had a couple where the, the husband was yelling take the goddamn pill you know <laughs> so you're in this thing everybody's afraid i got my second vaccine early february so maybe now it's a little bit more sane you have all these millions of people you're not really seeing all these averse reactions anymore to it. remember in the beginning how many people did you hear died from getting the vaccine and then it wasn't true? Yeah. What? So I, I, th I think there's a school of thought that vaccines are bad, regardless of what they're for. And uh, this just kind of was so quick. I think it just fuels it. Frank, how's mom? She's good. She's good. She's just put a bid in on a, on a home down in Florida, down here and there. Yeah, just south of Port St. Lucie on the East Coast. It's not a real nice golf course. So... I'm sure we'll all use it because she's planning on going down two weeks at a clip here and there. But now over this past year, we focused on putting everything in the cloud. So any of us could really work from anywhere. I'm glad you said that because one of my questions was about COVID and putting everything in the cloud was a, a huge thing for everyone, I think. So how easy was it? Was it easier than expected? For us, the whole, our whole management system, like our pest pack is, is called Epic, a company called Applied. So we had a, our old management system for probably 20 years. And it was pretty much working for us, but we knew it was phasing out. So COVID started and it was, you know what? We're going to be on our backs for a little while here. So why don't we plan it now? It ended up being a huge conversion, like seven months worth of training. Now we're up on it. That was cloud-based. Our old stuff was local. And we went to Microsoft 365 in the cloud at the same time. That was pretty much seamless. There really was no difference, but that was the biggest piece. Now we just need uh, remote access to some of the servers we still have on site, like our exchange server and things of that nature, but that'll eventually be in the cloud at some point and we get rid of all our equipment. So when you say the exchange server, you're talking about Microsoft Exchange, right? Yeah. Yep. They have a ton of cloud-based options now too. It's yeah. just a matter of pulling the trigger and getting used to how you used to access something to now the right access. And I'm sure with you, there's gotta be a, 
a lot of things checked off to meet security. Yeah, but we're getting there eventually. We're about 80% now remote, but we have a remote desktop to get access to whatever we need from wherever we are anyway, but in LogMeIn we've used, but it is liberating because I'm 100% functional from anywhere. Of course, it's always easier in your own office. You got your whole setup. So, so just- one of the things we're used to three screens, you can buy that for your laptop now. Oh, really? It's a magnet on the back and it's a USB connector. And you could get two, you could get three, whatever. It's not cheap, right? but if you're traveling or working from, really traveling, because if you're working from home, you can right. set the three up in the house. But yeah. if you're traveling, it's perfect. If you attach it to the back of the laptop and then it pulls out and you could swing it. For those of you listening, not watching, I'm making all these hand gestures. The only thing that I don't have in the cloud is QuickBooks. Yeah, my, my QuickBooks is in my, is in my management system. It's not QuickBooks, it's their own platform. Yeah. So that I have that in the cloud. What's your experience been with COVID and managing the team from home? It was a very limited time. I had about half my team working from home, probably from about this time last year to like August. And then when things calmed down, we were below 1%. We bring in some people back. And now they've been back. I mean, we got the whole place plexiglassed up. Mask requirements when I leave, whenever anybody leaves their cube in my office. Uh, nobody's allowed in my office. <laughs> they stay in the doorway. We brought everybody back now at this point, And I think we've all learned to live with it. Like we know what to do and you just got to do it. It's not 100%, but life goes on. Yeah. So has it changed your mind on brick and mortar and office space? A lot of what we do, I need a body or two here in terms of most of our stuff now is done via email, whether it's sending out renewal quotes or getting renewal binds in with copies of checks. I don't really need any originals, but there is a probably 50% of our customer base prefer to keep using mail. So the issue is the mail, getting checks by mail. So I need somewhere. For all that to happen, yeah, I don't, I don't need 5,400 square feet. I don't need to be paying for this. So something will change when, when this is done. But I think at least I need to be here and I need my accounting team here and maybe one or two CSRs. I don't need as many people as I have yet. My people who went home did really well from home. And you need a, a special person who could sit in front of a computer all day and work. I'm not that disciplined. I get a lot done, but I'm not as effective as I am in the office. But some people, I have one girl here who is probably 30% more productive from home in terms of what she's doing, like her day-to-day. At some point, it's a discussion. You look at Imperium, Billy's company, they're all remote, and it's working for them. Right. Now, um, my only issue at home is it's got to be the right fit for the employee because employees can sometimes take advantage of the situation, which you're, you're giving them the opportunity to work from home. And a lot of people just don't appreciate that. <laughs> they take advantage of it. We have someone in our office that, same thing with you. We were home like April to July. Everybody was, except for mandatory management, and we had to come in to the office. But she was so, like, I saw her sending emails at 7.15 at night to the point where I called her and said, why are you doing stuff at 7 o'clock at night? She was like, ah, during the day, what else am I doing? I'm at home. Maybe I don't work for a couple hours because it's COVID. So when I see somebody sends an email at 7, I respond. So she was very productive. She's productive in the office too. But one of the things that, because we were looking to grow and expand, without COVID, we would have probably outgrown this office and not known 
not known what to do. Yeah. But if the plan is already there, we need to hire one more CSS. And then the plan goes into place where it's hybrid CSS one and three week one, one, you work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three, you work Tuesday, Thursday, and the following week you flip and you share the same cubicle two days, three days from home. And that that's going to keep us out of getting a bigger space. And by the time, who knows if I'll ever need to buy a bigger space. Yeah. I feel bad. I'm not going to hold a benefit for anybody, but I feel bad for these big landlords who own tons of office space in Manhattan. The, you know, they're not going to get it. The people aren't going to use it. I'm, I'm in the, uh, where Lord and Taylor used to be in Scarsdale. That's where I am above the Chase Bank. We got three office buildings here. I'm only two stories. I'm on the second story uh, above Chase. Half of this place is empty. We have Brooks Brothers go out. We had all kinds of retail stores go out to stop paying rent. And it's now an Ashkenazi property here. And I met with them. I wanted to get something smaller. They wanted me to take something bigger. So I know they're getting their asses kicked here. There's an office in the back with a ton of lawyers and mortgage brokers. They have no need to for an office in, in that line of work. One thing I know for sure, somebody is going to figure out how to utilize that space and profit off of it. Who? Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. But I also think that the WeWork type of spaces, you will see catch on bigger. Think about it. If you're a major corporation, why do you need 100 cubicles or even 100 conference centers where you could just pay less and have a conference center at a WeWork space yeah. every day of the week? You know what I mean? I used to use one in my prior life. We had one in Midtown, the company I was with. And it was, you call a day before and they'd have me fully set up in, in one of the offices. And if I had a meeting, they had a conference room, I could you know, or request the day before. Th- that arrangement works, especially for on-the-road salespeople or people who travel a ton. I'm not going to lie. If I find 4,000 square feet for a good price, you know, I'll buy it and break my lease here. But then it's just one more headache. One thing about leasing, something goes wrong, I call. You know, I send somebody over to do something. And, you know, when it was our own, I felt like we were always getting something repaired, getting something fixed. For those of you avid listeners, you'll remember we were talking a lot about disinfecting one year ago to date. Frank was very influential in helping us make the right decisions by giving us good information because there was a ton of crappy information out there. So Frank, a a year later, all of the disinfecting that took place, what was your crazy stories, experience with it? It was actually, it was a situation where for the first time in my career, insurance carriers acted quickly. We had some carriers who immediately excluded communicable disease, communicable disease exclusion, which excludes anything that could be transported from an object or a person to person disease, which basically excludes coverage for, for Lyme disease, for Zika, hantavirus, and anything that involves pest control on, on the infection side is automatically excluded. The attempt was to address COVID, but at the same time, they ended up restricting coverage for everything else that's insect-borne or rodent-borne, which was a big deal for us. So it caused us to shift gears and get away from that as a whole and shift carriers we were using to act in our client's best interest. So we're about halfway through the year. In October, it'll be a year that those came off from some of our major carriers. The other side of that was we have two carriers that I managed to talk them into covering the sanitation. Truth is, without an exclusion, you're on it. Whether you want to be on it or not, if something happens and you guys are, at the time, this was probably August, September, October, where everybody was doing it. And 
they had one carrier starting to not non-renew customers who were doing it. It's listen, if you're going to act that way, just kill the whole program because your entire book is doing it. Everybody you got is doing it. So either get premium for it because you're on it anyway, you know, or, or pivot. You, you got to do something. So when all was said and done, I got two carriers who will cover it. Of course, the, the percentage can't be more than pest control. It's got to be a lower percent of the operation. But I was shocked that they were able to get a resolution so quickly because typically it takes years to get anything, any language changed in the policy. Maybe they could give some pointers to our politicians. Don't get excited, she, and don't get excited. But you said something that I just want to follow up on. Did the carriers that ended up, and who knows if they did it on purpose or not, but in coincidentally excluding Zika and Lyme, have they seen the follies of their way and rewriting it, or are they going full no. steam ahead with it? No, it, it caused quite a, an uproar with some of my legacy companies that I've worked with for years. And what bothered me was some of the programs that did it, we were influential in writing the policy. I'm talking days and days off-site, six, seven, eight years ago, getting this stuff done, and they didn't even tell us. We got a renewal, and, and we got a notice that it was on there. So I call up. I said, what's going on with this? And they said, oh, yeah, effective October 1 on all new business, this is going to be on there. So you didn't give anybody no heads up. You just, you just, for one of them, we were their largest broker. There's nothing we could do about it. It was the reinsurers. Come to find out that other carriers, had other programs have the same reinsurers, and they didn't do that. So obviously, it was a corporate decision. But we worked through it. And I understand companies, everybody was scared. Hopefully, now well, they start pulling it off. Because by limiting by limiting the, mar the marketplace in terms of what you can get, it, it's not good for the industry as a whole. And I've spoken at length, and it, it's a zero-sum game. They won't even entertain it. And now, did they lose a lot of business? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, know it seems like a no-brainer in pest control. So you either have to eliminate mosquito and tick treatments, yep. which for residential now. In Westchester is big business up here. Westchester, Long Island, even forget about us. We're, we're a seasonal part of the country. Just yeah. think of everywhere that's not, that has mosquitoes year round. There was some Zika going on in Florida. Yeah. It's just, it's something that I'm, I'm not comfortable with and I made that known. But I understand carriers in the business are taking risks. Sometimes they, they give uh, one risk more credit than another one. I could never imagine. At the time, everybody was in hysteria. And even though you could get coverage, I was saying, don't do the sanitation, don't do the sanitation. But fast forward a year, I know there's been some stuff going on in the legal community, but as far as pest control goes, we've seen nothing. We had a couple of servers get ruined because they were soaked. But really, in terms of the disease and infection, if the language is good and the indemnification is good and the hold harmless is good, Carrier's going to have legal expenses, but that's about it. And that's part I, I, I of it. They want to see your contracts. You know, if they can see your contracts, then they'll give you the okay. Yeah. And I think the biggest part about COVID that uh, a lot of people overlook, everybody was pivoting, which is a word I can't wait to get out of my fucking vocabulary. <laughs> but everybody was moving every day. Things were changing. And literally, we had the conversation a year ago. You told me about the server frying from a certain chemical then you look into chemicals, they're super corrosive, right? One particular, a lot of people use them very corrosive, which is probably why the server fried. So we look at that when we were trying to put our program together. Okay, this isn't going to work. Then we looked at the saline-based one with the salt tablet that you put in and you fog it, right? Which somehow 
would not fry servers allegedly. That is actually still true from what I'm understanding, but my friends in the healthcare community told me that in April, May, this product, all you had to do was spray it on or fog it or mist it. And then in November, they found out that no matter what you use, you still need to agitate the surface afterwards. So from April, May to November, a solid six months, right. they were spraying this according to what was science mm -hmm. and it wasn't really working. And now they figured out something else. So it was just that whole thing of constantly moving that we could have made a killing in disinfecting money-wise, but I just remember after Sandy or everybody that did mold, mm -hmm. and I remember the lawsuits. Yep. And I just figured that we, we would um, focus on our core and stay away from it. I still opened a separate company just in case. From what I'm seeing, it seems like disinfection is dying down. I think for us being so heavy commercial, 70% of our uh, customer base already had cleaning services. So they didn't need us. 40% of our commercial stuff in Manhattan, we are hired by the cleaning company. So we couldn't even have thrown our hat in that ring. They would have fired us. Yeah. But what I think now is everybody settled. The places that are doing disinfecting are paying for it. And it's already been locked. And you got to remember, this went from like a dollar a square foot all the way down to three cents a square foot. It was great in the beginning. The same thing with, with everything else. The demand was super high and there wasn't a lot of supply. So of course this. Yeah. And now it's so saturated that the professionals won out. The same way with the dog business. Yeah. The dog can't, you how, how many canine policies do you write now opposed to 2010? It's got to be half or less. Yeah. Because those people don't want to invest. Their dog's dead. So they're playing the numbers. Mm -hmm. Back then, you could have done 200000 a year with your eyes closed with no marketing. Yeah. Now you've got to hustle for that, even without COVID. So I think it's the same thing, supply and demand. I think it's figured itself out. I think well, well, like what we're seeing is, is a lot of companies are not necessarily offering disinfection, but they'll do it to keep a competitor out. And that's a whole different ballgame. That survival instinct is there. I get it. And coverage is available. A year ago, I couldn't say with 100% certainty that what I had would respond and respond effectively. Now I can. But the, the, the demand is not there as much on my end. And I think a lot of us partnered strategically, right? Yeah. So we have a cleaning company out of Long Island that one of our restaurants called. And we said, hey, we leave that to the professionals. Here's a cleaning company. Yeah. Which I think also can work if you're concerned about a competitor coming in. We focus on pest control, but we have this disinfected company that we partner with. So that's worked for us. But I know a couple of our friends in the food handling and, and food prep space had some heavy competition and people, people do survival mode, like you say. So there was a lot of people trying to clip other people's stops where maybe they wouldn't calm as a bitch. And I can't wait to see that come bite back and bite them. But anyway, so yeah, it's been a fun year of COVID. Been interesting, that's for sure. I can't wait for you to get the shot and where you tell me where and when there's some golf courses and country clubs that I can go play at. So I got to send you a list. There's one in Larchmont. There's one in Elmsford. 
I'll, I'll send you a couple of them. That'll be our coming out of COVID party, you and I. That sounds maybe, good. Maybe we'll get your mom and this guy over here. He might not play golf, but at least that'll mean you could hit an extra ball. I can make believe I'm playing. I'll hit the ball occasionally. <laughs> your mother's pretty good, though, Frank. Yeah, she's, it's been a couple of years since she played, but yeah, she was she was like a 17, 18 handicap at one point competing for, you know, for, for the club. Anytime you can say you have a handicap in my book, you're a good golfer. (laughs) Now that she's going down to Florida, she won't be there long-term, but she'll get out more. It's a nice course where she has the uh, bid in on. So she'll probably end up there, but I don't know how long she'll be there to really make use of it. I just played Deerfield uh, Beach, which is like a semi-private club with Pat Lynch and my childhood friend. We played actually like a week, about a week ago now, so. That's Pat doing? I haven't seen him in years. He's good. Baby number two is due in May. He's still out on the West Coast? No, he lives in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, okay. They moved, when he got the new position, national sales director or whatever, they moved to Fort Lauderdale. Baby number one is about two, two now. And number two is on the way. So Pat, Patrick Lynch the fifth is number one. <laughs> <laughs> Baby number two is going to be a boy. So him and the missus have a decision to make if they're going for number three or not. Yeah. I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. It's easy to take that break. And then as they begin to become children, you understand that break is forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I'm surprised we had a second. I I thought we were one. But... (laughs) The four years apart was planned. Both were planned. <laughs> How old is she now? 15? She'll be 15 in May. Oh, man. She drives me freaking crazy. I swear to Christ. It's like the, the shit that they come out. And it's, if you remember, it's all the same games you played. They don't change. And like with the boys, like I have a rule. She's not allowed to hang out anywhere with a boy in a town where a boy lives. So like a group of girls will be going out, whatever. And there's two guys there. She's like, oh, we're going to go to Rye. And I know both of these kids live in Rye. I check her phone. So I know both these kids live in Rye. Now, you remember when you were a 15, 16-year-old boy, your parents were out on the weekend. What did you do with your friends? Everybody came over. Where did all the bad stuff happen? Yeah. Okay? So I'll say, all right, you can't go to Rye. You got to go to Scarsdale. And she doesn't get it. And then all of a sudden, the plans get canceled. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about me. So I can't imagine having to do this in 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, it's exhausting for me at 44. <laughs> Thankfully, my son's the younger one, so I'm not going to worry as much about him. He'll probably give me a, a bigger run for my money than she does, but she's a handful. She's definitely a handful. I'm looking forward to college. I'll, I'll pay wherever the hell she wants to go, I will pay. I'll pay in advance. <laughs> oh, shit. You, you want to know why your son is probably going to seem mild? It's because she's breaking you down. The first one always breaks you down. Yeah. Yep. Like my sister coasted because they had my brother and he was whatever then they had me that was a bull in a fucking china shop and then jamie was just like i already beat them up so much they didn't even know what to do and i get to a point where i'm just gonna sit i'm just gonna sit on a deck and pour myself a glass of scotch <laughs> and you let me you know we'll see what needs to be done because i haven't fallen off the handle since high school like i do with my kids i thought i was a relatively calm guy it takes a lot to get me. But man, it, we, we got some... I'm surprised the cops haven't been in my house <laughs> from the screaming. You got a 15-year-old girl, man. I mean, they know everything, right? And luckily, I got about three or four cops in town 
who have 15-year-old daughters who are friends with my daughter. So <laughs> maybe that's why they haven't shown up. <laughs> that, that definitely helps. That's funny, though. Oh, man. So our friends from Insperity, Jill and Pete, spoke a lot about one of the things that falls into your wheelhouse. They both mentioned EPLI insurance and how important it is. With the CARES um, Act, it changed the ballgame. With, especially with employees working from home. I have every month, I think, or every other month at PMP, I got something on, about it. The CARES Act has presented a ton of new exposures that nobody ever imagined were there. EPLI is going to respond, depending on the, you know, most backbone EPL will cover most of what the CARES Act is doing. What's concerning is the whole wage and hour thing. Like you said, you had one of your people at home answer a phone at, at 730. You know, I, I was telling my people, listen, you know, this is not flex hours. 8.30 to 4.30, you answer the phone, you work. Because you, know, you don't want to get into a situation where they say, I had to work till 7 o'clock every night because I was at home and the phone was ringing. I had to answer the phone. I've been down that road with wage an hour already. I think you have as well. And it, it, it's concerning. But at the same time, you don't want to beat down a good employee who's being responsive and who, who has good work ethic. Problem is the people who don't have good work ethic and want to get paid for every little thing they do. COVID even you know, beyond the CARES Act has changed a lot of that. And we actually have EPL companies, carriers, who have limited a lot of retroactive coverage where they'll go back to full prior acts. They want to just go year by year and pricing has changed. Typically we used to be able to write new EPLI with no problem. They did it for you guys. For myself, I did it with no prior, just getting a new EPL policy. Most of my core carriers now will not do first year. They want you to have prior coverage. You basically got to go with a non-emitted carrier, restrictive coverage or what have you. Very expensive compared to other markets. And once you get that first year in, then your travelers and your USLI and all the other chub, they'll all come in that second year. Pricing will be better. Coverage will be better. But you need to get in that first year. It's similar. It's not state run, but it's almost like an assigned risk for that first year now. And that is 100% from COVID. Yeah, so I just wanted to make sure that there was some way you could get the first year. Yeah, I'll always find coverage. It's just a matter of how much it's going to cost and how good it is. So for, for everybody listening, EPLI stands for Employment Practice Liability Insurance. If you don't have it, call Frank. You need it. It covers so much wage an hour. It covers harassment, right? Yep, sexual harassment. We typically extend it to third party where... If a third party sexually harasses an employee or an employee sexually harasses a tenant, we make it a, a 360 degree policy. We've had a lot in pest control. We've had a lot of alleged sexual harassment of tenants in residential buildings. Uh, it's come up quite a bit, actually. Probably every two years we end up with something coming in on that. So it's typically the, the stuff I sell is high quality. Like I said, that first year has gotten difficult, but I'll find a way. Yeah, we had it for, I want to say, two or three years before we were taken hostage and blackmailed. But that's a whole nother story. That's the reason you need it. Ignorance is bliss, but ignorance doesn't excuse you from the law. So try not to be ignorant. Listen to us. If you never heard of EPLI, make sure you go out and at least find out what it is about the wage and hour piece. So part of what we do now, Frank, is we have the time clock, right? right? And... At the end of a pay period, there's dual authentication. The team member has to go and approve their hours. 
And then their manager has to approve it as well. And there's things to look for. Like you said, <clears throat> people working from home, people cannot punch in 15 minutes before their shift. And yeah. if they punch out 15 minutes after their shift, there's a red flag and there's notifications sent to their managers to see why. That for me, we're mostly salary, but they're not exempt salary. So people come in and I think always, you know, come in whenever you want. Get your coffee, get your breakfast, but you can't punch in. You can't wow. start working. You know, and that and that's it gets watered down. I have a biometric one here. When it takes your face picture, it takes your temp when they come oh, in. Nice. So yeah, you know, I, I review the hours and I've got two people who routinely have been working overtime. And nobody's allowed to work overtime unless I pre-approve it. So I look for that. I'm, when I'm looking at hours, I'm saying, oh, geez, this person worked 40 hours and 15 minutes. This one worked 40 hours and 30 minutes. You know, and I'm not saying it. You, you look at it and say, like, yeah, but I know they come in and they make their breakfast. They clock in and make their breakfast, get their coffee. They, they talk to a bunch of people and they sit down at 8.30. That held up in court? Breakfast and lunch are not part of your workday where you get paid, unless, of course, you've paid for lunch, right? So at Colony, we actually pay for a 30-minute lunch that you can clock in and out of. We don't pay for breakfast. And the future of the pantry is that you have to punch into the pantry and it automatically punches you out for time, for however long you're in there, which is just, it's just ridiculous. Like you just yeah, don't, yeah. at that point, I always say like, why are we doing this? This is the wrong mentality. The company culture is everybody's having fun. Everybody wants to do their job. We don't really care if you take 15 minutes to go outside and smoke a cigarette or to drink your coffee or whatever, because you buy into our company culture and you believe the mission and we're moving forward. So it's okay because while you're eating your bacon, egg and cheese or whatever it is, you're working because you love to be here. That's really our goal. So when we have our weekly meetings, if we ever start to go down some crazy road about a team member, I'm like, time out. We have our mission. We have our culture. We should not be deviating from it. We should figure out why this team member doesn't fit. And if they really don't fit, then we got to cut ties. Yeah. And it's tough because our biggest thing is productivity. But we recently lost, lost. Somebody quit because they didn't get what they wanted. They really didn't fit the company culture anyway. So it was perfect. And it yeah. was almost like they felt that they were so valuable to the organization that we couldn't say no to them. And when we said no, was so flabbergasted that they quit on the spot. Yeah, one thing I, I don't respond well to is when I'm, when I'm back into a corner like that. You know, because I've been in situations where I'm so short-staffed that I need a particular person. It's always resulted in, in a termination. I can't operate like that. I can't operate from a place of fear. And I've lost people who were good, but right. they thought they were too good. And in terms of a culture where people are eating their breakfast and stuff, that's my goal as well. The problem is that people will take advantage of that. 110%. And that's the hardest part. It is. And for everybody in the service industry, you'll all understand this. The person that we were saying no to for this position that they had wanted. We're coming into to the busy season and they're really strong at their current job, like really strong, but that's it. That's where their strengths end. Right. And so the conversation is, but they're so good. Maybe if we could hold on to the season, we've yeah. all had that. Can we hold on through the season? Can we hold on through this? And the truth of the matter is the, like with all cancers, you're best just cutting it out. Yeah, absolutely. The end result, as much as it might be difficult, shuffling routes and whatnot, you need, you need to kill it. Coming up next time.
on Colony Confidential. How quickly from those do you start to see the pop-up startups? Oh, right away. Yeah. Right away. You'll get, you'll probably, I mean, it happened with Assured. A lot of people who either are out of jobs or don't like the new administration will go. And a lot of them are seasoned. A lot of them do well. They start by themselves. Actually, they have an employee or two. They get two commercial vehicles. And they've done well. And it's that type of arrangement historically was our bread and butter. The owner operator who ends up getting an employee and then has a vehicle that needs calm. With this industry, people remember, and there's a lot of loyalty, but people remember that you were there when they were nobody, when they were... a year for their insurance. You stopped and helped them out. But I see a ton of that. Whenever there's a big acquisition, there's a ton of that.